Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is the last lesson in the series called Lessons from Little Known Women of the Bible. I am so excited to introduce you today to a group of five sisters. And I dare say most of you have never heard of them. I had never heard of them until I started digging into little-known women of the Bible. So I can't wait to share with you uh, this lesson. And then the next two times that we meet in person on December 1st and December 8th, we're going to connect uh, the lessons that we've learned from these women into our own lives, in our own relationships. And we're going to see how we can be a beacon of influence, how we can stand strong in our circles of influence and relationship. And we're going to see how we can live in the strengths that these women exhibited when they were called upon. And so I'm really excited about bringing this home even more deeply <clears throat> so we can look forward to to that. So for our lesson today, we are looking at some women in the Old Testament who became influencers. Now, I love to listen to influencers on YouTube or to watch them. And I get all these makeup tips and hair tips and clothing tips from them. And I love the influence they have on me. Well, I begin to think that that's who we are to be in the Christian world. We're to be influencers for Christ. And we have people in our lives who've influenced us. And I want you to begin to think now about all of the men and women who have played an important role in your life, in your faith journey. <clears throat> who are these influencers? Well, today, as we are thinking about that, we're going to look at the importance of stepping out in faith. And we want to look at the beautiful chain of the faithful, those influencers in our lives who have made a difference. In this study we've been doing, we have met remarkable women who have shown courage and wisdom, quick thinking, resourcefulness, and boldness in their actions, and that made a difference in their world and in many or most of these cases in the whole world. There was Shifra and Pua, Abigail, Jehoshaphat, and Huldah, and they were living in their strengths when they were called upon to act. Well, today we are going to meet five sisters, <clears throat> Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Terza. They too were ready to act when they needed to. We're going to learn that these five young women showed faith and courage as they went before a group of very powerful and godly men with a request. And their request was to claim something <clears throat> that was rightfully theirs. We meet them in the book of Numbers, and it's chapter 27. So I like to get our setting so we will know the context of the story that we're reading. So the Israelites were making their second approach to the promised land. The old generation that had started the journey had died, and a new generation is now at the border. Moses had ordered that his chief priest, Eleazar, take a census as a record of all of the descendants of, Israelites, Israel, of the Israelites who had left Egypt. 
Now, this record was kept under the names of the 12 tribes. Those would have been the 12 sons of Judah. There were 601,730 people at the border. So he orders the census. Next, Moses now orders the land to be distributed. When they get into the promised land, he says there's going to be land distributed among the tribes according to the number of names on each list from the census. Larger tribes, of course, would get more land. So he had to know this information. So now they are, get the picture, they are on the plains of Moab, right beside the Jordan River, right across from Jordan. They are right there at the edge of the promised land. So let us read in Numbers 27. Let's begin with the first four verses. One day a petition was presented by the daughters of Zelophehad. Zelophehad is the name of the father. And the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milcah, and Terza. Their father, Zelophehad, was a descendant of Hefer, who was the son of Gilead, who was the son of Machir, who was the son of Manasseh, and now, get this, the son of Joseph. So this was a family of Joseph. These women stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance of the tabernacle. And here's what they said. Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who rebelled against the Lord. He died because of his own sin, but he had no sons. Look at the question they ask. Why should the name of our father disappear from his clan just because he had no sons. Give us property along with the rest of our relatives. Now, what we see here is that these five sisters, we do not know their age, but they would be considered young women, show a picture of active faith. Let's first of all look at their names and the similarity. What do you see? at the ending of each name. A-H, the syllable ah appears at the end of each name. Ah, A-H, is a contraction of the Hebrew form of the word Jehovah, which is the name of God. These girls bear the name of God in their own name. It was a common practice for the faithful Hebrews who had a strong faith to use the name of God in names of their children. So now from that, we can surmise that these girls came from a godly home. And now, during this time of the distribution of land, these girls went before Moses, the leaders, and all the people. Their actions would have been considered very unusual. Their father had died in the wilderness. And what they say in their statement, Zelophehad's daughters stress that their father had sinned alone in uh, the desert, and he had not led others astray. And so, see, he was a part of that group that wasn't faithful of entering the promised land. Do you remember when the first time they were at the edge of the promised land, Moses sent the spies in to look at the land of milk and honey, 
And so 10 of them came back with the report that there were giants there and they were fearful and they would not go into the land of the giants. Now, Joshua and Caleb went on the same trip and they came back and they were still filled with faith. And instead of seeing the giants, they saw the land of milk and honey and they were ready to move forward. But the others said no. And so the masses of the people were influenced by those who were living in fear. And as a result, because of their lack of faith, they did not enter the promised land. And instead, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And so all of the original travelers, those who had the first chance to go into the promised land, have all died except Joshua and Caleb. Because of their faith, God protected them and left them alive. So that's what is here, what is happening. And so Zelophehad was one of those who would not go into the promised land originally, and so he died. And so that's why it's the wording is a little bit unusual. It's like he sinned, but that was the sin. He didn't have faith and did not go into the promised land. And so they're explaining that in their statement to Moses. So uh, they these girls now don't have a father. There is no mention of a mother. There are no brothers. So the girls come asking for a part of the inheritance that would have been given to their father, who was in that tribe of Manasseh and Joseph. As Joseph was their great, 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 great grandfather. So they're saying this should be ours. They're stepping out in faith. Is that bold or what during that time with perhaps hundreds of thousands of people in front of them uh, and watching, and they step up to Moses and all the people. Now, they said, we're entitled to this land because we're in the line of, jo- of Joseph, who was a son of Judah. Now, I want us to figure out exactly how bold this act of faith was. In ancient Israel, the Jewish culture was one of the most male-dominant cultures in the whole world. In ancient Judaism, the woman only had rights in her home, and even that was very limited. The man had authority over his wife and daughters, uh, establishing their activities and their relationships. Women were passed from the control of their father to the control of their husband with little or no say in the matter. And they were sold for a dowry settlement when they became of age. So these girl daughters were not supposed to have a voice. Do you see how unusual it was now? What were they to do to have the right thing done? That's kind of our essential question through this whole study is, what does it take to do the right thing? Well, their father had no sons. The women recognized that there were no provisions in the law for inheritance if a man did not have a son. And so in order for the right thing to be done, they needed to speak out. They needed to activate their faith. So they took their case right to Moses. 
You know, it's so interesting. There's no indication in scripture that they begin to spread rumors around uh, the tents. <laughs> they did not go from one uh, tribe to another. They did not stir up questions and problems and issues within their own tribe. They, the scripture says that the girls together went before Moses. I loved the five went together. So here's, here's that, that issue. Uh, they had to take their case to Moses because there was no advocate for them to do that. Do you know it's always when there is a problem that we face or a challenge, an issue of some kind, any circumstance that gives us the opportunity to act, the opportunity to step out in faith. It happens to all of us. Whatever issue we face, whatever challenge, whatever problem we're going through, whatever place we're stumbling or whatever place we're stuck is an opportunity to step out in faith. That's, that's what they took it as. This is an opportunity. This is not a, a time for me to sit in the tent and cry and weep and uh, wring my hands and fuss and complain and stir up. It's my time to act. It's an opportunity. Do you know they desired to be desired to be a part of the blessing that all the others who were descendants and to be a part of that blessing and get what they rightfully deserved. <clears throat> An act of faith is when we step forward with determination in spite of discouraging news. You know, it's even more remarkable when you think about the first time the Israelites were at the edge of the promised land. We read in, no, in Numbers 14, 4, the men who faced the entrance were afraid and cried out, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. These daughters were eager to possess the land and even demanded a share of it. See that contrast? Things weren't looking good for them. It seemed they had lost their inheritance. Now, they could have searched around the tents in the wilderness until they found a handsome young man to marry. That was an option. They could settle in his land. But that would mean their father's name would have been lost among the tribes of Israel. Do you know what they did instead? They chose to hold hands. I cannot read this story and think about what they did without imagining that these sweet sisters joined hands in a beautiful symbol of Christian of, of godly faith and a sisterhood as they approached Moses. Now I want us to use our holy imaginations to think about the minutes, the days, the weeks before this moment. What were their conversations? Put yourself in their place. Do you think Mala and Noah disagreed with Hagla, Milka, and Terza? <laughs> Did they have a difference of opinion about how to handle the situation? Did they elect a spokeswoman? Did they argue over who that would be? With five sisters, they probably represented all four personality types, didn't they? So which one was the bossy choleric? 
Who wanted to put this off for as long as possible? Which one was the peacemaker? Who wrote the script they were going to use? Or who wanted to do all the talking? Which one most likely had studied all of the laws and knew what they were? Who brought the topic up in the first place to the sisters? And who kept saying, we can't do that? Or what if? Or let's just go with the flow. Who was saying, but, 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 (laughs) who said we cannot buck this system? This is a law and we can't go against the grain. Who is it that said, all those people are going to be staring at us? And what if they laugh? Oh, the conversations must have been rich. What we do know is what the scripture says, these women These women stood before Moses, Eleazar, the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community. They did it. We don't know their backstory. We don't know what situations, conversations, events, circumstances, issues had failed them in the past, which ones had made them successful, but we do know they had a past. And we do know that whatever their past was emboldened them to step out in faith, in unity, in determination. We do not know the conversations, the setbacks, and the comebacks that went through before they stepped forward. But when they did, they were in lockstep Oh, you can get that image, (laughs) the lockstep where each leg crosses over the other leg of the other person and they're walking in unison. What a funny picture of it. I don't know that that's what they did, but I think about that, walking in lockstep. They dared to question a longtime cultural precept. They dared. They stood before Moses and Eleazar, the priest and the leaders and all the congregation at the door of the tent of meeting, Hundreds of thousands of people. Wow, imagine the courage that took. What would you have done? Some of you who have stage fright or the fear of public speaking or getting in a large group, what would you have done? You know, I think of the time I was in a youth talent show at church when I was in the seventh grade. Three of us were, were to sing, get this, The monkey's number one hit, Daydream Believer. Not one word came out of our mouths. We all oohed and awed and hummed the song until probably near the end when we sang, Cheer up, Sleepy Jean. Oh, what can it mean to a daydream believer and a homecoming queen? Oh, me. We were not those brave and bold sisters of the Old Testament before Moses. No, no, no. (laughs) Oh, You know, so many times we can fail. But when we fail, if we will pick ourselves up and keep moving forward, then one day, one day, we just might become a featured soloist. We might be a part of a group that sings and dances around the world. We one day might be featured singing opera in front of 1,700 people. See, one day, we never know the backstories, do we? We 
We often don't know of the trials and the failures and the successes, but we do know when there is a time to act, we know when people do it. We see it. These sisters did it. It was probably unheard of to do what they did. What, What must these men have done when the sisters presented their case? When these beautiful, young Israelite women came up in front of them, imagine their reactions. Oh, do you have it? You know, uh, so in a, in a male-dominated culture, do you think they wanted to be dismissive? You know, let's see what kind of leader Moses was when his leadership was tested in this way, when he was given a challenge, when five young women questioned a patriarchal law. What is Moses going to do? Is he going to scoff? Is he going to send them back? Is he, this is, this is the worst. Is he going to pat them on the head and tell them to find some nice young man to marry? Moses had much experience dealing with discontented people, didn't he? He was such a wise leader. He had solved all kinds of problems. Remember all the grumbling about the lack of water and bitter water and lack of food? Remember he had to deal with it when they refused to follow instructions? When there were warring tribes in the desert? When he had to settle disputes among the people? When there were harsh travel conditions? And on and on. He had experience. So when he's tested again in a very public way, by an inferior gender in his day, what did Moses do? Read verse 5. So Moses brought their case before the Lord. He took it up with the Lord. He prayed. He did not scoff, scold, dismiss, or belittle these young women. He did not pat them on the head and send them back to their tent. He must have been taken by surprise and maybe even shocked. And he probably did not know what to say. So he took advantage of the gap. He pressed pause and prayed. He pressed pause and then he prayed. What wisdom Moses showed. What do we do when we are confronted with a truth that we are not ready to hear? What do we do? Oh my goodness. I so struggle with that. Each day, as a part of my devotion, I pray various scriptures. I I try to memorize scriptures, and I try to keep some of them just right there in the forefront of my brain so that I can recall them. And so I use scripture to help me live into my faith, and I use scripture to help me overcome my weaknesses. And so here's one I pray, And, and it reminded me of what Moses did. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. See, that's Psalm 141.3. Maybe Moses didn't need to say that quick prayer because that was not one of his weaknesses. But maybe that was a practice he had to press pause and have God put a guard over his mouth and to keep watch over his lips while he was seeking God's wisdom. 
Speaking of wisdom, this is another daily prayer of mine, and it's found in Proverbs 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Wow. See, that's what Moses did. He sought wisdom from God, and that helped him to understand. Understand that these young women had a point. They had a case. And they deserved consideration. Oh, how different this story could have been if two things hadn't happened. If the girls had not activated their faith to deal with a difficult situation. And number two, if Moses hadn't activated his faith to deal with a difficult situation. Often stepping out in faith means we might have conflict. We might not know the outcome. We might have to go against the culture. Stepping out in faith, whether we are the one presenting a case or receiving a case, means we are entering an unknown territory. And we need to press, pause, pray, and act with grace, mercy, love, and wisdom. In this series, uh, we see how these little-known women of the Bible step out boldly in faith. And when they did, when they stepped out boldly in faith, they were simultaneously stepping away from the culture. Get that visual in your head. Stepping toward God often means stepping away from what is popular accepted, expected in the culture. When the culture goes counter to God's ways, we need to step out in faith. We're told that in Romans 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by doing what? Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is a good and pleasing and perfect thing. Moses took their case before the Lord. So the waiting period begins. Think about that. The waiting period. We don't know how long it took. We're not told. We're not often told about the passage of time. So what did the daughters do? Did they go back to the tent in in the wilderness and relive every word they spoke? Did they regret their decision? Did they wish they had said this or that? Did they cringe out of embarrassment? Did they write their own rejection story? What happens in the wait is as telling of our faith as the initial act of stepping out in faith itself. Did they perhaps just go back to work and back about their daily living? We don't know. I'd like to think they went back and went about the business of their lives. And then Moses came back with the answer. And here's what he says. And the Lord replied to Moses, verse 7, the claim of the daughters of Zelophehad is legitimate. You must give them a grant of land along with their father's relatives. 
assigned them the property that would have been given to their father. Wow, God validated the claim of the daughters. It is legitimate. It's the real deal. Therefore, give them the land. Wow, God heard their plea and he found it righteous. Moses had listened and Moses obeyed. The daughters were heard. And do you know that it gets better? Because Moses said, if you look in verse eight, our word is and. And give the following instruction to the people of Israel, colon. If a man dies and has no son, then give his inheritance to the daughters. And if he has no daughter either, transfer his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. But if his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan. This is a legal requirement for the people of Israel, just as the Lord commanded Moses. Because the daughters stepped out in faith and did the hard thing, the right thing, and because Moses pressed pause when he didn't have a ready answer, and because he turned to God in prayer, and because God is faithful, and because Moses didn't doubt God and spoke God's truth, even though it meant they were going to change the way we've always done things and change the law of Israel, it was changed. Amen. Now, the law was still a work in progress. It did not read that sons and daughters receive an equal inheritance. But it did say that if there were no sons, the inheritance can go to the daughters. God said in his own way, daughters are equal to sons. Wow. Do you hear how huge that is? And This form of inheritance is much like what we have today. Of course, we don't make a difference between sons and daughters in the law. Because these daughters were brave and courageous and thoughtful and acted in faith, they received a blessing. And others for generations would receive a blessing. This was a double blessing. Yeah, which reminds me of double mint gum for some reason. You know, double your pleasure, double your fun. Double mint, double mint, double mint gum. (laughs) Okay, that shows my age. But it was touted as having double strength and being double good. Do you know that their faith, the faith of these girls, gave it double good result, didn't it? Our acts of faith often have that result. We receive a blessing from something we've acted on, but others are blessed as well. Who knows what doors that faith is going to open? Think back. Shifra and Pua changed the plan of the evil Pharaoh, and as a result, baby boys were spared. Abigail acted in faith and saved her family, but others too, her household, her home. Jehoshaphat, saved a baby, and what a blessing that was. And in doing so, she preserved the line of David. Huldah spoke the truth in an assertive way, which led King Josiah to turn Judah toward God once again. When we act on our faith, we receive God's blessing for it, and others are encouraged and often changed. 
Throughout our faith history, Christian women have acted on their faith and have done brave, bold, and courageous things that have changed lives. Florence Nightingale was a member of the Church of England, and she often prayed for God to give her a task that would define her life. And during the Crimean War, she trained and organized nurses to care for wounded soldiers, and she became the founder of modern nursing. She, She stepped out and did the courageous thing in faith. Mother Teresa was known to minister to those that others wouldn't consider. And then Susan B. Anthony was born into a Quaker family with a long history of anti-slavery activism. And so she developed this sense of fairness and justice early on. And she campaigned for the abolition of slavery and the right for women to own property and to keep their earnings, as well as to have the right to go to higher institutions of learning. She stepped out and got a blessing and it just snowballed from there. Rosa Parks, in her book, The Quiet Strength, she said that uh, she, she, because of her faith, she refused to secularize the women's rights movement, knowing it would take both the religious and the irreligious to change society. She said, no, this is about God helping me. She said, I felt the Lord would give me the strength to endure whatever I had to face. God did away with all my fear and I moved, and I moved on. She said, I refuse to sit down. And then uh, Evangeline Corey Booth, after her parents jointly founded the Christian mission, which later became the Salvation Army, she dedicated her life to the same missional mindset and led the Salvation Army for 30 years. Oh, and one of my favorites, Charlotte Lottie Moon was a Southern Baptist who spent nearly 40 years working and living in China as a teacher and an evangelist. Amy Carmichael, dressed as the Indian women, uh, woman she, she deserved and would even dye the ones that she served, and she would dye her skin with coffee to fit in with them. At Christ Church, you know, we have our own women we have precious Libby Deering, who uh, has uh, become a part of the House of Hope, uh, which she founded at an orphanage in the South Sudan, and oh, the influence she has had over so many children. And then Kayla Austin, who is the daughter of Jeff and Brenda Austin, has a passion for children, and as a single woman, she adopted one and now is serving as a missionary. I find that stories of faith are always dynamic and moving because they have a chain reaction. No one knows what may happen when we step out in faith and who will be touched and who will be moved to their own actions of faith. You know, it happened in my life. You know, we've all been touched and influenced by countless acts of faith. It happens in all of our lives once we come to know the Lord I have been influenced by a great cloud of witnesses. Let me share with you how my own cloud of witnesses, or it's it's sometimes called a crowd of witnesses. I also call it my faith influencers. And as I share, begin to think of your own cloud of witnesses. I trace mine back to both my maternal and paternal grandparents who were women and men of God who influenced my parents, who influenced me in the faith. And there's Faith spilled over to me, and I gave my heart to Christ as a young child. 
And then I was supported and loved in the faith by a body of believers who each played a unique role in my life as they lived in their God-given purpose. Oh, there was Ms. McKay and Ms. Dibberl who nurtured me as an infant and toddler in the nursery. And oh, Miss Alice Chapel, who taught me in the Sunshine Group, and those brilliant, wonderful librarians uh, like Miss D.C. Sailor, who nurtured my love for reading, and then those faithful sword drill leaders who met with us each Sunday night to help us to learn the books of the Bible and memorize Bible verses. And then those Sunday school leaders and GA and act teen leaders, one of whom was my own mother, St. Mary. And then as I grew older, there was Jack Smith who led the young married Sunday school class who taught me that we make one decision to be active in the church and not ongoing decisions on Sunday morning just determined by how we feel. And then there were those women's missionary union leaders who took me under their wing and helped me to be a leader, a president in that organization. And then there are my praying sisters, including my own sister, uh, my birth sister and sisters of faith who over the years I've counted on to pray with and for me. And then there is this group called Women of Faith. Wow, who love and support me and encourage me every single week, who lift me up and inspire me and pray for me as I pray for them and encourage them in their faith. And that's how it looks to have a cloud of witnesses who create a chain reaction of faith. Praise God. Each one in my faith genealogy had points in their own lives when they chose to step forward toward God and away from the world, just like the daughters of Zelophehad. I didn't always know their backstory, what had gone on before, but what I do know is that each one had one, just like us. We each have a story of faith with many twists and turns. There were times that My faith warriors and influencers stood alone in their faith in times when they stood with an army of other believers. But what they did for me was leave an indelible mark on my life. I remember their names, their acts of service and love, their influence, their impact. They changed my life because they acted on the call. They found their unique purpose. They said yes when asked to serve They studied and taught and showed up and discipled and disciplined me in the faith. And in doing so, emboldened me to do the same. For the longer I stayed in the chain of faith, the longer I surrounded myself with faith influencers, the more likely I was going to join the chain as an influencer myself. The closer we stay in the chain the more likely we are to choose well in the faith. How do we stay in the chain? It's when we step away from the chain of faith that we become open to the influence of the world. When we leave the influence and support and encouragement of the faith, and when we we are not strong enough alone to face the changes of the world. It takes constant shoring up, daily faith-filled input from the faithful, from scripture, 
to steady us and make us bold so that we can step out in faith with each circumstance, big or small, that we face. So when we hear the diagnosis, when we hear the angry words aimed at us, when we have a disappointment, when we have to make a difficult decision, or when we're challenged by someone, or when we have to stand or speak out in our faith, we need to stay in that chain of faith so we will be strengthened and emboldened and supported. How do we step up and step out in faith? Many people want the freedom to express their faith, but they are hesitant to take the first step. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So when we go through hardships, whether they are financial troubles, painful relationships, damaged health, or questioning our self-worth, self-worth, it is hard for us to realize that God is still always working in us. This is because as humans, we use our belief based on what we see and not by faith. God tells us to focus on the faith. In order to step out in faith in any situation, we need to focus on God and not the thing we see in front of us which is the enemy, the diagnosis, the angry person, the pain, the insecurity, the sense of defeat, anything that might try to grab our attention. Each of our little-known women of the Bible stepped out with a laser focus on the task at hand. And boldness is necessary. Boldness is necessary for us to be able to do the things that God wants us to do. We read in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. It takes boldness to stare down our fear. God didn't give us fear. He did not give us timidity. So when our faith is challenged and we have to appear before our own Moses, Eleazar, leaders of Israel, and all the people. God is not the one filling us with fear. He can't do it. It's not in him or of him. He only gives us good gifts, power, love, and self-discipline. Do you think Shifra and Pua and Abigail and Jehosheba and Halder, Huldah and the five sisters felt a sense of fear? Sure they did. But they knew that they had something stronger at work within them. They had God's power, and so do we. They acted in spite of their fear. They were bold and courageous in the face of fear. Another step to take is to find peace in God's presence. We read in Colossians 3, verse 15, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. How do we let peace reign in the midst of chaos? Well, we can't just try to grab it when we're in the middle of a crisis. Well, that's what we often do. We get it when Christ is actually ruling in our lives. 
That's what it says in the scripture. The, the peace we get comes from Christ's rule in our hearts. See, that's an ongoing process. It means we live in peace, not in and out of peace. It takes being intentional and practicing peace. It means an ongoing state of prayer and praise. It means obeying God's word. It means capturing our thoughts to the lordship of Jesus Christ so that our peace is not interrupted. Doesn't that sound much like the life of an integrated disciple? Doesn't this take uncommon courage? Christ offers his peace and we decide how long we will live in it. It takes intentionality and practice and prayer and praise and capturing unruly thoughts. Mostly it takes a willingness to obey God's word. Each of our little known women could only act with focus and boldness because they felt the presence of God. And then step out with confidence. Hebrews 4.16 says, says, Let us then approach the throne of grace and confident, with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We need to have confidence and assurance as we reach out to God with our struggles that whatever he allows to happen is for our own well-being. If our questions are not answered in the ways we had hoped, Instead of being quick to judgment and worry, we can rest in God by keeping our faith in his infinite grace and mercy. We know that we will receive this grace and mercy in whatever we face. Each of the women we have studied stepped out with confidence that no matter what happened, God's mercy and grace was with them in their time of need. In the end, it is not up to us how things are resolved in our lives. But it is our job to have faith in God, to step out in faith, no matter the price. Just as all these women have done, God is calling us to live by faith. In every circumstance of life, we can choose to step out in faith or shrink in fear and timidity. The choice is always ours. Let's become bold in our faith and with great support and assurance from our cloud of witnesses, the chain of faith. I close with Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, our Heavenly Father. We thank you for this crowd of witnesses that we have, those who have influenced us and have gone on to be with you, and those who are on earth continuing to influence us. Help us, Father, to use that, that group of people who support us and love us, to give us courage, to use the power of the Holy Spirit within us to strip off anything that slows us down or trips us up and help us, Heavenly Father, to run with endurance this race that you have set before us. Help us to keep our eyes on you, who is our champion and who initiates and perfects 
our own faith. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, I pray. Amen.